From the high desert in Far East West Texas, this is the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with that sports TV ratings. Joining me on the High Desert Hotline for this episode is ESPN's Kevin Wilds, who has been at ESPN since 2005. Kevin is currently Vice President of Original Content in charge of ESPN's NBA Studio Production, which includes the uh, NBA Countdown pregame show, The Jump, and uh, Sports Nation. Kevin, welcome to the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with that sports uh, TV I'm, ratings. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to have you. So, uh, I'll start you off with maybe a little bit of a wacky one, but the, the jump is hosted by, by Rachel Nichols, uh, but otherwise pretty much has a, uh, a rotating cast like many of the ESPN shows. And, uh, yesterday Rachel was joined by Ramona Shelburne and Jackie McMullen for an all female cast, which I think you have done before. Uh, but it's just kind of cool to see. And, uh, you know, I see like a lot of complaints on Twitter about not enough women uh you know being in on-air positions uh i didn't see a lot of you know celebrating yesterday that uh that you guys were actually doing it so i'm just wondering uh do you guys ever take any time to savor it or is that that just the way it is and uh that's just what you're doing yeah i mean i i think a little bit of both i think it's worthy of celebration and at the same time it's a reflection of um the quality of people that we have right so that it it didn't it didn't it was special and at the same time it didn't feel um unique because we actually just had three of the of the smartest basketball minds talking hoops so i think kind of like that duality is um is worth noting but we have like just three amazing people talking basketball yeah i agree i mean and for me uh, just because i watch a ton of espn and you know i'm very familiar with with pretty much the rotating cast on all the shows and uh, you know if you watch enough after a while it People just feel like kind of like extended family members. And uh, so I'm just very comfortable with, with most all of the uh, ESPN personalities. And I, I loved it yesterday's episode. But I, I'm just wondering, do, do you get any feedback? Are there, are there uh, you know, still Neanderthals like, or who are writing in complaining? How, how does all that work? Uh, no, I don't think that uh, I don't think there's any any Neanderthals writing in complaining. We were a, a you know, positive forward looking show. Um, if there were, we wouldn't give them any oxygen anyways. Right. Uh, but no, we're just trying to put out the most authoritative and, um, biggest personalities that we can I think for any talent on whether you played or whether you write about the game, we're looking for a combination of personality and authority. And when you strike level 10 on both of those, that's when you have a great show. And I right. think with Rachel, Jackie and Ramona, you hit 10 on, on both. So that's what makes for a great show. That's what you actually enjoy. And they're all friends. Um, right. Which right. All yeah, the, the chemistry, chemistry is, takes, is good. Yeah. yeah, so the uh, the NBA, and I, I talked, I had Rachel on, I think, a couple months ago, and we talked about this for a while, but uh, it's, it's just continuing. The NBA is now the very, very fun league, and uh, I've been thinking about it a lot lately, and it's been how it's been working out for the NBA. And the early ratings uh, seem to indicate to me that it's uh, definitely not just a social media echo chamber thing it's real and uh it's 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 leading to uh at least early in the season increased viewership of the product uh I, i'm just wondering what your thoughts on you know sort of the, the the progression over the last two or three years to to where we are now so i think that some of the the ratings the interest um the popularity of the league is a reflection of a few things one it's a quality product that the uh that the league is putting out the games are good and competitive 
two, it's um, interesting players. Um, I think the league is at a very special place right now where you have such a variety of um, people in the league from from um, from all-stars to guys who don't play that much that are still right. can all be interesting and add to the storylines of the league. And three, I think it's just the storylines that more and more storylines have um, developed this year. And when there's interesting storylines, it makes our, our job easier. When Kyrie goes to Boston and that's the Turner's yeah. first game, that game is going to do a huge number. Yeah. Um, our Christmas game will do a huge number. It'll be the fourth meeting of Warriors um, Cavs. So that game will do a huge number. I think these are just storylines that have developed. Like we said, the, the Nick LeBron storyline developed last <laughs> night. Um, that, was, that was fascinating. And then that, that happened in the game. You start to see yep. the storyline play out between Frank and um, Cantor and LeBron. And then LeBron has his epic comeback. It was just great. It was just it's it's great television. It's great for the sport. Um, so we feel really lucky to be working um, with the league and, and on this product. Yeah, it's it's definitely been a lot of fun. But one of the things I've been thinking about lately is is maybe uh, how much thought you know both both from the NBA and the networks is is going into uh, is going into making it more fun. And I I I, I want to think that everything is really really happening organically. But I'm beginning to wonder if it is really as organic as it seems to be. What do you mean? Well, I'm wondering if, if uh, and I don't really mean this in any kind of nefarious way, but just to take advantage of uh, the social media and, and everything that's going on today. If uh, and I, I apologize in advance to uh, any fans of professional wrestling, if I, if I mispronounce this word, I believe it's kayfabe, you know, the notion of, uh, you know, acting like something that's totally scripted is real. And I'm I'm beginning to wonder, you know, some of some of the with LeBron canter, some of the stuff that is, you know, obviously being done to pr- promote like websites that uh, the players are invested in. How much of that is is actually authentic, and how much of it is, hey, you know what, we're just going to have fun and, and we're going to produce some content. So, so I think well, I think 100% of it is authentic, um, but I think it's it's also okay to 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 say like it's okay to have fun and when lebron tweets a uh, arthur meme um uh, i think that's 100 <laughs> percent authentic and sort of the mysteriousness of it is is part of the drama of like what did this arthur uh, uh, uh meme, right, right. mean did it was he was it um was it a reflection on Kyrie's performance in boston was it a tip-off to Bledsoe being traded because he's represented by Rich Paul and he's not and the Cavs need a point guard and he can't it wasn't going to work um, with the Cavs. Uh, I think that's all all very um, I think that's all very fun to play with. I think that in general when you talk about like the fun of the league, the NBA is in a good place because we can't we're not the um, by we I mean. NBA media. Um, I think the league is, is structured differently than the NFL or college football and where you see a certain um, high stakes um, pregame show, which means, you know, a college football team can have their whole season change if they don't win today. That's not the case in the NBA regular season. So when the stakes are a little bit lower, 
um, as far as like the the fate of your season, I think the element of fun can be injected a little bit more, and you can play with a few more memes. Then we have the best of both worlds because when it comes to the playoffs, the stakes are risen, right? And we're we're able to like attack those shows with the same intensity. We attack the finals with the same intensity of a college football season, of an NFL season, NFL playoffs. So it's that sort of balance that I think makes the league especially fun right now. Yeah, and I, I am. Uh, I, I, if I position my comment as like any kind of conspiracy theory, I I, I probably went down. Uh, went down the wrong path, but I just kind of meant it in the way that I think if you put, uh, today, if you, if you stuck Jerry Jones and Roger Goodell in a steel cage, I think there's real animus and I, I think they might really try to beat the crap out of each other. I don't really buy that. There's that kind of beef between, uh, LeBron and Cantor, for example. Like, so I think they were just having fun. Whereas like some of the other drama is not really just having fun. Yeah. I think that, well, in the NBA, um, this used to come up a few times. It came up a few times last year about like competition. And, and I think someone very smart said like, you can compete hard against your best friends. I think it was when Draymond Green appeared in um, one of LeBron's videos. Right. Um, but like some think about it, if you've ever played a sport, like you compete your hardest and most fiercest and talk the most trash to like your brother or your next right. door neighbor or, or, or yep. one of your best friends. So I think that, that sort of um, that balance, I I think, is fun too. It adds to kind of the fun. Even LeBron the other day was like, "Tell Chris Paul he stinks." <laughs> so uh, the the idea that you know so much of um, about the players, about their relationships, uh, I think that just adds to the depth of the storyline and um, sort of the, your interest in the league. That you can go really deep down rabbit holes. Uh, which is what sort of NBA Twitter has become. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you've, you've worked at ESPN now for uh, I think uh, 12 years or may- maybe even a little bit longer. And uh, you've worked on a lot of shows. Um, what's your, for you, what's the favorite part of producing a show? Like what's, what's the thing that you look most forward to every day? That's a good question. I think the most fun thing is, producing something every day uh i used to work as a newspaper reporter and i had to have eight bylines a week so and i would only work five days a week so sometimes you'd have to have two bylines right they don't have to be big i could write about you know the salt um you know the town bought more salt because it's going to be a (laughs) cold winter and i'm like oh i can get a byline out of that more salt cold weather um got to keep the roads clean that's that's true so I think there's there's fun in just producing something every day and churning something out every day. That's the most fun. I think from a, a goal standpoint, John Walsh, who is longtime uh, ESPN editorial um, sort of North Star, uh, we went in and we talked to him about editorial philosophy, and we had all these long, long speeches about what I wanted to do and just just running my mouth of just young and full of just <laughs> full of just ideas. And uh, John Walsh crossed his arms and he said, if you want to make a good show, you have got to have it do three things. It's got to be smart. You've got to have smiles and you've got to have surprises. That's it. <laughs> I said, okay. Ooh. Oh, my podcast so that... is missing like two out of three things. <laughs> I need to work on this. So that's, that's it. good just... advice. 
it's the best advice I've ever gotten. And when people ask what type of show I do, I, I have the same answer every time. Just smart, smile, and surprise. And if you look at any segment, a great segment will hit all three. And you always try to get two. But you can always look at a segment that you're producing, whether you're, it's your first day at ESPN or your you know, 20th year. Am I doing the smartest content? Am I, am I doing something that, that has some levity to it, um, if it calls for it? And can I surprise the viewer? And that might be, that doesn't have to be a surprise. You know, there's a, you know, a snake in a, uh, a, one of those cans and that pops out. Um, uh, it's just a matter of um, you can surprise someone with an interesting statistic. You can surprise someone with an interesting anecdote. You can surprise someone with a good graphic. There's a number of ways to sort of make the viewer smarter and to deliver on the smart smile and surprise promise. Yeah. So, um, you know, right now you're, you, the, the season is, uh, I guess like a little bit over a month old. So you've, you've been in regular season mode for the jump for a while. Can you just talk about sort of the daily process for putting together the show? Sure. So the shows I'm in New York and the shows, uh, in LA and it is directed in Bristol. So there's kind of like, <laughs> it's a, it's a little bit of a triangle offense. Um, but the bulk of that work is done by the producers in both LA and Bristol. Um, so the show's run by uh, behind the camera, Rochelle and Danny Corrales and Steve Martinez and Michael Bodmer. Those are all my shouts and Jeff Anderson and Bruce in, um, in Bristol. And they have a, a morning meeting, which Rachel calls into um, while she's heading into work. And that's where it's sort of like the, we just sort of get a feel on what is interesting in the NBA. A lot of the stuff is, um, a lot of the stuff is stuff that you know, but you also want to hear Rachel out. And if she has anything um, that's really percolating in her brain that wants attention we're big on the monologue, obviously. That's become right. a, a sort of a tent post of the show to give Rachel a um, give Rachel a, a clear platform to let her have her right and and really make that a signature portion of the show. And at the same time, we want um, the best guest possible on the show, which is uh, Gina Paradiso has done a wonderful job that we've ended up having wonderful guests on the show. And again, it's, I talk about personality and authority a lot. And so we have T-Mac is one of the signature right. players on the show. So when you're talking about scoring, for example, well, there's a lot of NBA players who have, who have played in the, the league in the last few years. And I did some research, Robert, because I, I thought you would appreciate it. In I, the last, I will. In the last, oh, imagine if I can't find it. Oh, no. In, in the last uh, 30 years, here we go. In the last 30 years, only 12 people have won um, the, score, the NBA scoring title. So there's 12 people in the last 30 years walking planet Earth who have won a scoring title, and T-Mac is one of them. So to have him be able to talk about scoring or have him weigh in on what it's like to be Carmelo, who is also a scoring champ, and now he's got to share the ball with Paul George and Russell Westbrook. That's an example of, of leveraging the talent that we have to get insight that you can't get anywhere else. You can't research your way to that. You can't, um, you can't graphics your way to that. That's just sort of the power of 
of TMAC and the value of having great talent. And again, that all runs through Rachel, um, who serves as the editor in chief of the show. Right. So, uh, you know, I got a little bit sidetracked because you, you brought up how big of a deal the monologue is on, on the jump. And, uh, and I'm reminded, and I, I believe you, you worked on the, uh, the ESP, ESPN2 Oberman show, right? Yes. And uh, yes. so I'm reminded of that because, and uh, I apologize on the off chance that Keith listens to this. Uh, that was like the, the best harnessing of Keith Oberman I'd ever seen, that show. I loved that show. Uh, everything about the show, particularly the monologue. I loved Keith in that show. And, um, and uh, you know, may, maybe, maybe it's just, just that the show had the three things, but, uh, you know, I could say, um, while I probably agree with everything I've heard Keith say for the last year, uh, you know, not, not on, uh, not on ESPN, but at Twitter and elsewhere, like, I really just don't want to hear him say it. Like, it's not, he's not great in that venue for me, but like, he was great in Oberman, and I wonder just how much of that is because you guys just let him do the monologue and, and he was good with everything else. Um, well, I think Keith is great at everything, and I'm, I'm just a general Keith Oberman fan across the board. Um, he's taught us, he taught us uh, as a group um, more about TV in the, in the two years that we were here than a lot of us had, had learned um, prior to that. And a lot of that was what it was like to do something excellent every day. And it's funny, like Keith just demands excellence in a good way. Um, so he would demand excellence. So if you're, if, if there was copy emails going around, you couldn't make a, don't write there, there, like it would be kind of like a joke, like just make it perfect. And we started working as a, show unit just perfectly like we wouldn't make spelling mistakes everything was on time and that was a reflection of keith and a lot of that a lot of that has been transferred to the jump where the monologue has some as uh, some similar inspiration of just over the shoulders i mean it's over the shoulders and and yep. in writing um but it's not um there are there are some commonalities to that which is also, you have a, a brilliant host. Um, yep, yep. Who, that, who that's a start, big, that's that's a big piece of it. Yes. That that yeah. So who can start the show with a big idea? So um, I think that you can see some inspiration from the Overman show in some of the stuff in the jump. Yeah, I I, I have to say it. I I uh, I really miss the uh, the ESPN two Overman show. I, I, it was I, a, I, one of my favorite ESPN shows of all time. I think. Me too. I just I missed that. That it was a good staff. And hey, wake up! Am I putting you to sleep? No, joy. I'm not making you smile. I don't think I, I'm hearing no, you no. over there. Uh, so I'm just giving you a hard time. So um, you you were uh, once upon a time you were I, I hear a, a uh, an intern on the uh, the late night with David Letterman show. That is correct. Good research, Robert. Well, I think uh, it's not that hard, but uh, you give me too. Give me a little bit too much credit okay. in the in the in the in the Google era. But uh, what's your best Letterman inter, uh, intern story? The best story I have is um, I I got to be on the show a few times, so ah. I went down for something called um, it was called Dave's SAT camp. And they needed 
it was something on mailbag. So on mailbags, you'd shoot Thursday, shoot two shows on Thursday, and I think mailbag would air on Friday. So like, hey, do you want to be on the show? And if you're on the show, you got paid 500 bucks or something because it was sort of union rates. So I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> like, all right, go down, go down to the show. Um, so you get down there. It was Dave's SAT camp, and the the joke was that the the letter was something like, "Dave is um, Dave, do you do anything to help high school students get into college?" He says, "Oh yes, I have an SAT camp that I have every year that I run." And people in the audience are clapping like it's a real thing. <laughs> so, and then he does a dream wipe. And then it's and then it's Dave and, and it's me and uh, another intern and we're on a makeshift roof that we're balanced on a makeshift roof with hammers and the idea is that we're just working sort of blue collar labor on Dave's roof at his house and he comes in and yells at us and uh, so that that's my favorite Letterman story that I that I that I worked on Dave's roof you could you could theoretically say uh, and and it's been captured in all its glory on my mom's VHS tape that's buried away somewhere at the house. Oh, you need you need to convert that to digital, man. I know it would be a big hit. Dave's preserve preserve it for the archives. Few, I've looked for it for a few times. It's not up yet, but uh, uh, so so it, it, this brings up uh, an, an interesting point anyway to, at least to me. So so you're a guy you really like talking sports. I mean, so it's not you you like TV production, but you also love sports and talking sports. And uh, you, you, I think, have been in front of the camera on ESPN a few times. And uh, while Rachel says she doesn't have anchor hair, which may, maybe we could dispute that, I would say you do have anchor hair and anchor good looks. Uh, how, how much did you think about wanting to be on TV more than being behind, behind the scenes? Um, I think television's a team sport. And right now I sort of like my team and sort of uh the position that i'm in um i did some stuff with bill a long time ago but any other time i was on espn probably on accident um maybe old maybe old maybe <laughs> yeah i think it was through. probably around the the, the grantland stuff yeah that, maybe I uh, that i did see a shot on accident uh, but no i like i just i like being part of um i like you know i like being i like the position i'm in um but i think you know who knows what i'll be doing and in 30 years perhaps I'll, perhaps i'll be, hopefully uh, sipping a drink on a beach somewhere exactly the the renaissance of grantland so so you uh so we're taping this on uh, tuesday november 14th on wednesday november 15th that's a that's a, an espn basketball night there will be an nba countdown uh take take me through how that that day goes for you what's that like so nba nba countdowns run um by uh, Amin Hussein and Lisa James, they're the producers on site. And what basically happens, the difference between Jump and Countdown is that Countdown is twice a week right now. So you'll see a lot more prep for larger elements, um, larger storylines that are leading into the game rather than sort of just the daily churn of the Jump. So Lisa and Amina run that. So you'll see, for example, like the interview that we did, that Paul did with Gordon Hayward. That comes out of the countdown team that is able to run everywhere. It runs on Sports Center and it runs on um, on Countdown that day. So you'll when you see that stuff, Countdown is able to do more large scale projects that are happening today and right. yesterday and Thursday. So there's a little bit of that where the reason why I took sort of the long way to 
the long way to answering this question is, although the to get a picture of how the jump works, how Sports Nation works, you can start up. You can start with, well, we wake up in the morning and we start. You go to work, you start working. The way Countdown <laughs> works is, you wake up on Monday and you start thinking about two days later, or you're sitting here today and we'll have meetings about, hey, November 22nd, Warriors at Thunder. What are we doing? So that right. we had a call about that yesterday. So the the time frame is a is a little bit different, which makes which is fun, honestly. Um, but on game day, it's really uh, a meeting with the producers, a meeting with the talent, um, and then it's showtime. Showtime on at 7. Then everyone from the show, everybody gets into the um, – watches all the games together, the producers and the talent, and you start picking out – the talent is able to pick out things that they want to see at halftime. Then now the interesting part that's happening this year is – because of the timeout um, rule changes, that we're starting to get shorter games and longer fills between games, which is almost like a miniature post-game, pre-game hybrid for the second game. So that's been been something new this year that's been really fun. And then it's uh, the second game, then a little bit of halftime, and then maybe a sports center hit, and and that's a night for countdown. You start to look ahead. The, The interesting thing that I'll say about... Um, the goal of, of Countdown is finding a way to take what the talent says and get it onto the screen. So we've, we're very lucky that in addition to Beatle, who Magic Johnson has called the best point guard, uh, <laughs> the best point guard in TV, um, we've got you know Chauncey and Jalen and T-Mac and Paul. The stuff that they're saying in the in the meeting rooms or while they're watching the game, that's really, that's really the goal. Get that stuff in on to the television because every NBA fan would want to be in that meeting. Right. Every NBA fan would want to be watching the game with these guys. And um, it's, it's one of the fun challenges of, of working on that show. Yeah. So, uh, just from uh, the, like the perspective of uh, of the like of the playoffs and then the NBA Finals, is is it much different on Countdown uh, other than the you know the schedule changes? Uh, as far as like the tone of the show, or, uh, per, or just a, nah, just the 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 putting the putting together of it, the production of it. Yeah, I think that it's interesting. Like this happens a little bit with um, with Sports Nation when we first started doing Sports Nation, we got down to the Super Bowl, and you'll start to see, like, oh, you get really excited, but then, like, oh, we only have two teams to talk about. So it gives you an, uh-huh. it gives you a reason to dig into the teams. Like, right now you talk about 30 teams. Yep. And then you start to, as you start to carve off teams, and last year you're back to Warriors, um, Warriors-Cavs, it's, it's great to go in and, and start looking at different dimensions of the game or we did a really good piece on um, J.R. Smith, a really good piece on J.R. Smith and his family. That's where it allows you to really dig into um, individual players that you might not you might not do during the regular season when you have 30 teams of of 12 people. So I think that's sort of the the fun of the finals. Plus, there's just more tension during the finals. Um, just when the stakes are higher, that's that adds a, a different tone to the a tone to the show, I would say. 
Yeah. So uh, aside from the uh, from the Christmas games and then and then ultimately the, the the playoffs and the finals, you know, for other other than the Christmas games for the remainder of the regular season, what are you looking most forward to? So there's a there's a handful of games um, that our programming team has done a great job of highlighting that they think can be big games. So like even prior to Christmas, there's the Durant back in Oklahoma City game. So we've got that game. And then we've got um, like almost like a similar storyline before Christmas. It's Paul George going back to Indiana. Like, oh, okay, great. We've got like Lakers at war going in the Warriors before Christmas. Like, fantastic. Then we've got Paul's retirement. And then when is IT going to go back to Boston? Is that going to be the same day? Like, um, so there's a few handful of games that you look for storylines and you try to put more resources to those games, which can be super fun because like, Hey, let's go and try to find the perfect music for thunder uh, Durant going back to Oklahoma city. Or is there a fun element we can do with Paul George going back to Indiana? Oh, you know, I, I, I'm sorry. I did not have it on my list and I am not a guy who, uh, who like critiques the, the music used either in the production or in the beginning of the games or the theme songs. But, uh, I observe on Twitter People are lit up by the uh, by the music selections. I'm just wondering, like, how how uh, how how much you take the feedback from social media on any of this stuff. <laughs> I think it's kind of like the producer's rule of thumb: when it's good feedback, we take it, and when it's bad <laughs> feedback, like, ah, this is an unreliable data set. Uh, no, that's uh, we've gotten good feedback from our research team and and one of our producers, Brandon Lowe. Uh, is prides himself on 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 being uh, our resident music expert. Although yeah, I think tries to do it too well. I'll give Brandon credit. Yeah, somebody's going to make a podcast. It's just like score bugs and music that uh, that great. sports programs use because the 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 way that people complain about that stuff on uh, on Twitter is uh, sometimes very amusing. <laughs> I'm guilty. I'm guilty of that too. Why are they playing this song? <laughs> no, we try to. Uh, we try. I wish. I wish we could do a. M- a massive, massive deal, um, and just and just be able to like run as much music as possible. So the fun thing is that we have ABC has different rights than ESPN does, so we're able to drop more music ah. on the ABC shows than we are ESPN. You can still run the ESPN shows, but it's just cost more. It's more of a yeah, it's more of a blanket agreement on ABC. So yeah. you'll we'll have a little bit more fun with commercial music on ABC than ESPN. Okay. So, uh, I, I want to get you out of here on uh, this one. If you're, if you're okay talking about it, uh, you, and you're not the first person I've had on the podcast who's in a similar situation. Uh, you're, you're, you're an ESPN household. You're, you're, you're married to, to an ESPN or what's that like? <laughs> it's a, uh, it's, it's a dream come true. It's, I've <laughs> good got the, good I've, answer. I've, I've got the, uh, I've got, no, I'm, I'm a very, I'm a very lucky man. And, um, and uh, what's a good answer for this question besides like I'm 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 supremely happy and I consider myself very lucky. <laughs> uh, uh, Libby Geist, you could mention her name, maybe that that that. Yes, I, my, my I, wife, I did. I didn't mention. Sure, that. my wife is Libby Geist, an award-winning documentarian, uh, all-around um, great producer, friend, mother, and wife. Uh, no, she's the best. I don't. I don't. Um, I could fill up all entire podcast talking about it, but she's the absolute best. And, and the fact that she works at the company 
is is um, is fun because we can talk about similar things, but she's working in something so totally different that I can I'm still viewing it from afar. And like many people, I'm a, I'm a fan of her work, just like millions of other people, uh, millions of other sports fans. Yeah, I mean, particularly if you get along well, which I I I, I assume and, and and hope that you do, like that you kind of do the same thing, but on on a uh, on a different topic. Uh, that that seems like it'd be just really cool for uh, for for picking each other's brains. Yeah, and she's a huge she's like a huge basket. She grew up like a crazy huge Patrick Ewing and Knicks fan. So it's it's really fun too that that she's a she's still like a, a fan at heart and a, a, she might be she's documentarian and a fan at heart. Good times, good times for her. People are happy about the Knicks again. I know. We watched a game last night. It was great. Uh, it was great in a loss. That's when you know the, the ending wasn't great, was, but yes, they were still, still fun. fun. That's right. They were they were definitely still fun. So uh, Kevin, uh, thanks very much for joining the podcast, and uh, you're you're welcome to come back anytime. I appreciate it, Robert. Thank you very much. Thanks again to Kevin Wilds for joining the podcast. You can find all the past podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and SportsTVRatings.com. Uh, I really enjoyed the uh, the most recent previous episode with Richard Deitch. And uh, thanks for listening.